Go on, it's all right, mate. Just read the script. Will, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Lukey, buddy, it's okay. It's just a game. Just read the lines and we'll get through this fine. (sighs) Okay, I can do this. Creeping its way into your dreams this week is... Is... EA's 2008 survival horror hit, Dead Space. That's it. Well done, you big brute of a man. This spooky sprint through space, set in the year 2508, sees engineer Isaac Clarke investigate the strange cause of the distress signal sent out by the spaceship USG Ishimura, a mining ship that his girlfriend, Nicole, had been stationed on. However, Isaac and his crew arrive to discover the ship has been totally abandoned. But something haunts these narrow, dark, claustrophobic corridors an unrelenting, horrifying enemy that is as unsettling to look at as it is to destroy. This is an incredibly atmospheric masterclass in horror, as Isaac stomps and struggles his way towards hard truths and uncovers conspiracies that threaten the future of mankind. And when we say atmosphere, we aren't talking cheap jump scares and gore. We mean tension, exhaustion and character. Yay! Do we really have to do this one? Well... If we ever want to review the second and third games, yes. Oh no, not the sequels. Shut up, you big wuss. Jimbo, hit it. There are spoilers ahead. I repeat, spoilers ahead. Welcome to episode 917 of the Rumble Pack podcast. 917. One, sec- one second in and I already bungled up the number of the podcast. Mm. How are you going? I'm Will. I'm with Luke. I'm Luke and I'm with Will. How are you going? Uh, yeah, good. We are back in, uh, what would you call it? Post- Isolation from each other. Post lockdown. Yeah. Post lockdown. Actually, lockdown in Australia. Sorry. I was going to say, it's a bit of a weird medium this time because we're out of lockdown, but we still can't visit each other's house. Yeah, so, we can actually meet, meet up in the park, mm. but uh, we can't. he can't come inside or, or vice versa. So, yeah, figure that out, I guess. So, we're recording online <laughs> from about 200 k's away from each other. Yep. <laughs> uh, we, couldn't have a, we couldn't find a bottle of rum that uh, we could easily post uh, a sample of to each other. So, sadly, mm. we've had to leave it out of this one. But just this one, next time, we'll get it back. Don't worry. Yep, we certainly will. So, bear with us if there's any technical problems because odds are something will go wrong. Yeah. The- so, what are we here to talk about? Well, there's a lot of rabbits. For start, there's a lot of rabbits on the line, on the internet line between yours and mine. So There is. There would be. There'd be tons, actually. They'll be chewing at it. we gotta, we got to hurry up and get this episode <laughs> done before they eat right through yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have to call our rabbit guy. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about a game that... You know, we were going to actually talk about this in a few weeks, but we decided to bump it up uh, because it just got announced that they're making a full remake for the next-gen consoles, the PS5 and Series X, of this horror classic Mm. from what year? 2008. Wait, wait. wait. I was going to say eight. I was going to say eight. And I was going to guess. Thanks for waiting. That's the technical difficulties. difficulties. You had no idea. No, it's it's your Uh, vocal difficulties. I thought you said eight and I was like, yeah, eight. Uh, that game is Dead Space. Woo! Dead Space. 
And who made this game? EA. EA and uh, Visceral Games. Visceral Games, which is a company that doesn't exist anymore. No, I don't think. No, they did so Sadly. well. They did so well with this game series that EA decided to uh, abolish them. Basically, of course. Well, they probably got scared that they were going to become too big and and leave leave EA. So they were like, "Well, we'll actually just disband you." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So you're not rivaling us. Oh, I know. That's because that's what EA would do. Oh yeah, for they're sure. assholes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just stating that publicly on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, assholes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, Dead Space, a classic horror game for 2008. We both played on the Xbox 360. Yeah, 360. Back in the day. Back on the 360. I actually borrowed this from the local video shop. Oh, true. So, I uh, I never really used to do that. I, I didn't really know it was a, a thing that people did. And then I uh, saw it one... I saw it <laughs> for a... What Hey? What do you mean? I don't know. I just didn't. I was, mate, I was borrowing from games for the video store is like everyone's childhood, mate. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I always own the games I like to play. You know how I am with these things. Yeah, I know what you like. Mm. So I, uh, I guess, I'd been actually at the video shop for a while, and I saw this the hand like so on the cover. It's just this fist with a almost like a broken glove on it, almost like a astronaut padded arm sticking out of this. Yep the hull of a spaceship out in space. And I was just, I always kept drawing my eye every time I walked past it, even though I had no idea what it was and never heard of it because this was before I even kept up with gaming news really. But I decided one day, stuff it, I'll give it a go because I think a mate recommended it to me. And lo and behold, it was uh, the best and most terrifying uh, (laughs) game of the time. (laughs) I'm surprised that that's something that you saw at the store and actually committed to because well, I met you in 2009, a year later, well, and you were I, I one reckon- of the biggest wussies I've ever met. <laughs> I reckon so, was- the, fact, the fact that you played this Disney, that actually bewilders me. No, I reckon it was about 2010. <laughs> okay. I reckon it was about 2010, but, but <laughs> stuff you, I'm leaving. Uh, I didn't mean it. Mm. If anything, this might have made you the badass uh, that you were. Oh, definitely. If it was 2008. Yeah. Well, you know, like I hardened up a bit a lot in 2010, and you went completely AWOL, as we've discussed. So, well, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't go soft. I just went in a different direction temporarily, <laughs> and the direction, and this for some reason that direction was just <laughs> a complete disaster. It was. <laughs> anyway, we spoke you know, about actually, it enough. We'll have to do a mini, episode, a bonus episode on on your 2010 saga because <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we, we, maybe. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, um, only if there's a bonus episode scheduled after that makes fun of you in some way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's got to be even. Yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, Dead Space. Mm, I just wanted to say that this game is actually in the upper echelon of games probably ever uh, where atmosphere is everything. And I'm talking like near Bioshock levels here. I'm going to like almost go out on a limb here and say that the Ooh. atmosphere could be even better than Bioshock. It's like potentially like we love Bioshock for so much for its deep narrative, mm. but Dead Space just really nails the horror atmosphere. Just the silent creaks, dark shadows. Oh man, it is really terrifying. It's almost an atmosphere that's so thick. I, I reckon, oh, you can feel it. Like it's almost a visible 
atmosphere. It's just so yeah. it's so thick and spooky all like all the time. There's always mm. noises or it's always dead silent. But even in the dead silence, it just the, the air feels thick, which is a ridiculous thing to say about a game, you know, from 13 years ago. Uh, but it actually makes the air around you when you're playing it feel thick and it's just spooky, yeah. spooky as. It does. Mm. Your whole body uh, like clenches the whole time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but- you like you, f- you feel like you're in some sort of thick freezing cold even if you got the heater on. Yeah. just like clenched. Yeah. Well, and, and, like you, and like we mentioned in the intro, uh, jump scares don't actually reign supreme here. It's actually the constant tension and that anxiety yeah. of what is looming, uh, what the looming threat is. Uh, always coming out to bite you because you don't know where it's coming from. And we'll discuss the what this sort of uh, this enemy that makes you <laughs> so on edge the whole time is. Uh, but let's it, not yeah. uh, let's let's not uh, point point away from the fact that the jump scares do exist. They exist, but they, but they, but they, don't, re- <laughs> but they don't rely on it. No way. They wait at, at all. They actually. soften you up for yeah. hours on end, and then absolutely pound you with a, a jump scare. Jump scares for the yeah. ages. Oh yeah, which is pretty it's awful. It's pretty incredible. Uh, so just before I read the case though, as well, um, I've got the case here, of course. Uh, yeah, good, nice. I I forgot about that completely. Yeah, no, no. Actually, I'll do, yeah. I'll do it now. I'll do it now, right? Yeah, so do it now. On the back I'd of like the to hear it. on the back of the case, this is rated, and this is the American rating. So this would be this was MA here. It's is this the Xbox 360 case? It is, of course. Very good. Mm. I'm not using PS3. No. No, we're not. So, it has blood and gore, <laughs> intense violence, and strong language. Mm. Oh, okay. All right. And the back of the box reads, there's no help coming. A massive de- No, good. Good start. It's clearly typos all over this thing. It's not me. Uh, a massive deep space mining ship goes dark <laughs> after unearthing a strange artifact on a distant planet. Engineer Isaac Clark embarks on the repair mission only to uncover a nightmarish bloodbath. The ship's crew horribly slaughtered and infected by an alien scourge. Now, Isaac is cut huh. off, trapped, and engaged in a desperate fight for survival. And that actually an is alien perfect. scourge. That's a perfect uh that's a perfect uh love that sentence. Blurb that. Mm. It is. That uh, is a perfect blurb. Yeah. So strategically dismember the necromorph enemies in limb by bloody limb. <laughs> That's and awesome. This is without context. Yeah, we don't even know how we're going to do it. And this is how it's, this is going to scare the, all the listeners. Uh, yeah, I'm scared this- just hearing the blurb. <laughs> yeah. uh, zero gravity combat means terror can strike from anywhere. Oh god. Oh. Uncover the horrific zero truth. gravity. <laughs> Uncover the horrific truth of this shocking thriller. Mm. Nice. Uh, and we've got some some big goobers coming after Isaac on the back in pictures and big uh, yellowy brown uh, backdrop of the of the USG Ishimura, the spaceship. Okay. Yeah. And uh, fair to Probably say, a it's name for a ship, might I add. It is. It's something about it, isn't it? We'll, we'll talk about it when we dive into the sort of setup of the Ishimura uh, shortly. But mm. it's a really something about it, even just being a like a Japanese name. It just gives it a better edge because I, I reckon if they had have gone like an Amer- an English name, they would have called it the Retribution or some crap, and it would have completely yeah, yeah, for sure. They would have done it's, something really lame. The name Ishimura gives it some sort of element of mystery for some reason. It does. 
Yeah, but something like, yeah, the retribution would just be like, uh, mm, sure. Yeah. That's just so just, you know, some generic name they just picked in a in a in a list of names that they could have had. So oh that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, as with all futuristic space stories, because this, like uh, we said in the intro, this is set in the year 2508, so obviously like you know, 500 years in the future. Uh, this is a rather complex story because we've got, you know, we've got all these spaceship names which are thrown about, uh, new terminology that, you know, for this fictional future and obviously mm. uh, a fictional history that goes with that because we've got f- 500 years in between here and there that they've got to try to fill in with a bit of backstory. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, we wouldn't blame anyone for thinking that the finer details of this game aren't crucial to the experience that we're going to explain So because we, we could have got really sucked in by the conspiracy that sort of, I guess, uh, goes in the background of this game. And we're going to touch yep. on it a bit, but <laughs> we thought we, as we were sort of getting prepared for this, I think I messaged you, Will, and just said, oh, this game's actually a bit more complex, <laughs> really complex than I remember, more complex <laughs> yeah. than I remember. It's way more complex than I remember it ever being when I played it. Mm. Yeah. It's like when I, was, when I was watching it back, I was like, oh my God, there's like this crazy underlying story that I just knew about when I played it, but I never really thought about and it's actually mm. so much more yeah it's so much more than just a horror a horror thriller experience mm, it really is and i think mm. the and because yeah it's a third person shooter so it's over the shoulder really minimalistic there's nothing on the there's no hud or heads up display on the screen that sort of sort yeah. of block anything it's literally just you and your character and it's really it's really immersive oh, but i think with the greatest with the greatest ever i'm, I'm calling it the greatest ever health bar on a character. It is, yeah, of all and we'll, time. And we'll talk about that shortly when we, yeah, when we get into Isaac Clark and the sort of makeup of his it's character so good, and man. costume. And it's, uh, it is, it's, it's all integrated perfectly for the <laughs> edgiest, uh, especially at the time, the edgiest horror game. Or it's a survival horror game. Horror game is always just about. I think it makes it paints a picture that's just about jump scares. I think survival puts a, another hint of desperation to it. Yeah, suppose. Bit of depth. Hmm. Uh, but and just to before we go dive into Isaac Clark, the protagonist, just wanted to just to everyone know how how intense this game was to play. I remember I was only able to play this game for about an hour at most in each session mm-hmm. uh, on the on the blessed old three sixty Xbox three sixty. Uh, because it was by the end of the hour, it was so exhausting. Like I was so exhausted every time because of how tense it was. Uh, and I, I'm not even sure in that whole hour I'd ever blink, which is why I got so exhausted. <laughs> like, and it's it's not even. Uh, and it's funny because you talk about something like that, and you're like, "Why would you enjoy playing that?" And it's actually because it's the gameplay is great, the atmosphere yep. is so intense and it's almost a challenge to get through it and it's not at all cheap it's actually yeah like we've said if, if, if you think of a horror movie or game sometimes you'll think oh no it's quite cheap it's all about the jump scares it's just gore uh and this game doesn't rely on any of it it has all of them but it never relies on any yep. of it's like a sum of all its parts it's just a really great experience it is i think uh it's yeah people ask me that as well like i play uh, i love playing resident evil for instance, and the um, it's you know super scary. And you know, like I talk about how it's 
so intimidating and uh, unsettling. People go, well, why would you play it when it's when it's like that? Like, what are you gaining mm. from it? You know, and it's just diving into that world and just feeling a part of it is just a, it's such a different experience you can get from just your average action adventure game mm. where you really feel tension and you really feel like every choice matters. Mm. I feel like you can play a general action adventure game and you just you make choices and if you make a mistake it it's it's there to help you really. It like trucks mm. you, you truck along with the game the way it's built but you play a horror experience like this and you make a wrong choice and you'll get your head cut off. <laughs> yeah, so you really got to you really got to like <laughs> push yourself to get through it and stay on task and think about it. I think there's a whole different element to it, which I really like. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. I think it's, uh, you know, in a in an action-adventure game, you might get that sort of break just after a shooting, a fight sequence where yep. you get 15 minutes of a puzzle to solve a puzzle, and which there's puzzles in this as well, but, you know, they'll give yeah. you some massive vista to look at just to help you unwind a bit and relax for a minute. <laughs> a survival horror game like Dead Space, which is far more intense in the, in the intense parts, gives you <laughs> far less of a break. In fact, it probably gives you no break whatsoever. Oh, it hardly gives you any. Mm. The only well, breaks are when your buddy uh, in like the sort of in-game cutscenes talking to some of the other characters. Yeah. Just about every always... time you go down a lift and then bang, something comes out of the bloody wall or something. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> so from the top, we'll, we'll talk about the protagonist of the game, Isaac Clark. Yep. And he's, a, he's joined this crew uh, who has gone to investigate the USG Ishimura. Uh, so, he's joined it basically yep. with the extra motivation or the key motivation of finding his girlfriend, Nicole, who's, who actually sent him a message... Uh, video message that we see in the opening shots of the game uh, in which she says, Isaac, it's me. I wish I could talk to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about everything. I wish I could just talk to someone. It's all falling apart here. I can't believe what's happening. It's strange. Such a little thing. And then it cuts off pretty much and we that's all that we get to see of the recording. And yep. this is while he's sitting in the sort of in the cockpit of the ship as they're approaching coming going through hyperspace the you know, light speed and then they appear out you know, they, they stop moving and <clears throat> the usg ishimura is in front of them this is yeah sort of well wreck. their mission is called cec mission er 529 uh and their two directives are to locate the mining vessel ishimura and diagnose and repair the communications blackout so there's been like some sort of they're aware that the ship has lost communication but they're not aware mm. of the circumstances because when they get there it looks completely powered off um and just not moving like something's happened something's gone wrong so mm. it, it, within within like two minutes of starting the game when you pop in pop through space and see it uh there's already something gone wrong eerie feeling which is backed up by the sort of music the and the visuals and the characters dialogue mm-hmm. yeah and space is such a big thing yeah you, you're you near the um I think in the background there's a big sort of destroyed planet in pieces, which we learn is yeah. that you know, part of the mining lo- process of this future, you know, mankind in the future, they sort of they're mining resources yep. straight out of planets to keep themselves going. Uh, yes. And yeah, it's just a big, very big, quiet uh, space <laughs> to be stuck in. It's just already daunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, yeah, I mean, they they basically decide to dock onto the ship uh, 
their ship's called the USG Kellyan. I don't know if you mentioned that. Uh, but they, yeah, they want to refuel, refuel themselves and uh, organize whatever is going on on the ship. But the signal comes through. They get they they pick up a slight signal from the ship, and the sounds that come through are like just so grim. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's like screeching and yeah, crackling. it's like really atmos- atmospheric, sort of scratching into a microphone and sort of just really deep tone of sort of a growl. Mm. Oh, really bad. And yeah. uh, K- Kendra, uh, one of the characters on the ship, decides that it's a, co- a problem with encoding, which she can fix if they get her on board, uh, which is why they go straight into it, basically. And they basically crash land into the docking station, which puts powers down their ship as well. Mm. But, uh, yeah, Isaac Clark, what do we think? Well, yeah, so because you, you just mentioned Kendra. So, we, we've come in as with Isaac, who's an engineer of the team. So, he's, yep. a, he's actually called an engineering and ship systems specialist. And uh, he's come to investigate the Ishimura with Kendra Daniels, who you mentioned. And she's a computer specialist, yep. which is why she's there to sort of get the, you know, get the comms back online and all that. Uh, yep. And also, Zach Hammond, who is the chief security officer of the organization they're working for, which... I don't know if that's... It's not EarthGov. It's um, C something. Anyway, unimportant. Uh, There's so yeah. many organizations. I don't know. It's confusing. <laughs> uh, but but Isaac, yeah, from the start, he, he's a silent protagonist, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, even though you see his face multiple times. like It's not like he's uh, just in under the helmet or anything like that. You actually visually see him. Mm. And even so, he's still silent. It's kind of surprising. Yeah, and he's it makes all of the noises, whether it's dialogue or other characters' actions, or just the that atmosphere we've spoken about—the real creepy, quiet halls—makes uh, it all a, the only point of focus for the player. It sort of doesn't mm. let you get distracted by what Isaac might be feeling or doing, uh, because he's basically, you know, like. He, I guess he, he, he does so as you get damaged or as you're walking around, he sort of grunts and things like that. And he fit and it sounds so desperate and hurt when he does. So yeah. that's, that, that's the only, that's the only noise that he makes voc- vocally. Uh, yeah. So, so not having his voice there, it's, a, it's a, a, I don't know if it'd be less effective necessarily if he spoke, but it's definitely a creepier. It makes you feel more alone as a player. Like you don't I have him to lean on. Yeah. I, I think it's better that he doesn't speak because, his role in the game is essentially uh, he's just, he's just a guinea pig mm. for everything that um, like uh, Daniels and and Hammond uh, and some of the other characters you meet wanting to do. Mm. Like he literally travels all over the Ishimura doing all this stuff, like defying death basically in this horrific scenario. And the fact that he doesn't speak, you just you don't really know what he's what he's feeling. So you just place yourself into the character that way, and you're mm. obviously feeling terrified. So I think I think it's the right choice. Yeah. Plus, I think the way that he's kind of when he's got the suit on, he's cut. He has he's quite hunched over. Uh, he's he's mm. got a, quite of a hunchback sort of look, and he yeah he looks desperate because of that as well. Like he's yeah. almost falling. Like he's just tr- tr- uh, tr- you know trudging through the mud kind of steel. Yeah, it's almost like he's ready for it to be attacked at any moment as well. He's always on the lookout. He's sort of hunched over yeah. like a with his eyes because he sort of head wanders left to right a bit as well, like looking around as you're yeah. walking. Uh, so, well, it reminds me of how Luigi 
uh, holds the um, vacuum in Luigi's mansion and because he's so scared of the ghosts in the mansion, he kind of ponders around hunched forward, like sort of creepily looking around. I realize it's not <laughs> the same kind of the horror experience or anything, but I think uh, I, re- I can relate it to that. And, and uh, what's his name? Isaac does the same. So mm. he slowly charges around, always <clears throat> ready for action. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, I think... We we can add a bit more to Isaac, I reckon. I reckon with a bit of context of exactly where we're the the environment we're playing in. So we've got we're on the USG Ishimura now. So yep. for the for background sake, so this is the biggest planet cracker, as they're called, of her kind. So it cracked and mined um, the planet of Aegis uh, Seven, which is this planet that's yep. right next door now. Uh, yeah, but. The the planet was quarantined for undisclosed reasons many years ago by the Earth government and for an unknown reason, it went off the radar, leading Isaac and his team to investigate when they get this sort of distress signal. Mm. And they don't, nobody knew that it had been quarantined because it sort of just went dark. Yeah. Um, but as it turns out, when we get there- Shady it was, government. Yeah, yeah. It was abandoned <laughs> by, by people and replaced by a real freak show of enemies- who we'll uh, touch on later, as we referred to on the back of the box. It's they're called necromorphs, and uh, good God, are they horrifying! Oh uh, yeah, they're really bad. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, so it's all it's it's pretty, uh, I guess, well uh, characterized by the, the it's dark and narrow corridors, uh, and they're yeah, yeah. claustrophobic, claustrophobic and unsettling as hell to start with. Uh, but when you realize how out of control the necromorphs are. These corridors are actually a great way to sort of keep everything in your line of sight all the time, like straight ahead mm. and, you know, pick them off um, as we'll explain in a sort of controlled manner. Because if you get into big open spaces, which there are very few in this game, suddenly you feel like exposed from every angle. So you Yeah, think, oh, definitely. So you think that the closed corridors are the terrifying part of the game. They're actually... A relief <laughs> from the big open they spaces, are, sure. which is a really uh, sick <laughs> twist. There's really no break here. There's nothing worse in the game than some of the enemies that sort of charge after you in the big open spaces. Like say, there's uh, like a sort of desk table in the center of the room, and you sort of got to uh, it follows you around the in the square sort of formation. Mm. It makes it really difficult to to get away and and get shots in because you have to be so precise with your shooting. Mm. Uh, and you can't, you know, you're not that fast. You really got to take your shots when you can get them. So, yeah, the long corridors make everything so much easier because you can, uh, it's like just spraying, spraying bullets that way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so what happens at these? So, when we get onto the Ishimura, what's the sort of yep. uh, that first horrific sort of encounter slash uh, the, the sort of the event that sort of kicks off everything? <laughs> so, Isaac. Uh, heads off uh, from the USG Callion, their ship, uh, and he sort of ends up finding this uh, navigation system that he can try and log into to try and like sort of upload the map of the ship into the, into his um, arsenal or something like that. Sort of in a room next to this main foyer area, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's probably like it. a, a, a couple of yeah, it's probably a couple of stairwells or, or corridors away. Um, and he witnesses this sort of first attra- attack on on some crew there's actually some human crew behind a glass window uh and some just uh, horrific looking monsters obviously of course we don't know they're called necromorphs at the time 
And for probably after this game, we just think they're just, they don't actually mention the name Necromorph at all. Mm. Um, yeah, this monster just absolutely slaughters these, these crewmates. And Isaac gets chased to an elevator uh, where he thinks he's safe and sound because the door closes behind him. <laughs> but the door, uh, the, the elevator gets sort of powered down and the monster just claws the bloody elevator door open and it sticks its way way through and it is like it's right in your face and Isaac's like right in the corner horrific experience and it's just it's all the lights are going off and eventually mm. thankfully the elevator door closes on the on the necromorph and snaps off its uh, arms and head yeah and, and if anyone gets moving and if anyone's familiar with Pokemon they'd know about Scyther so which has basically big <laughs> big uh, oh what are they called you know the, the big those big scythes, I think. Yeah, a scythe, obviously. Yeah, scythe. Yeah. <laughs> that cut through the crops. So, basically, <laughs> the necromorphs are these twisted versions of, like, dead people, as we'll go yeah. into. And they've basically got these big scyther-like arms that come out the from the back of their heads. Oh, the, over their shoulders, yep. basically. So, he's, mm. when this thing's holding open this elevator door, after all the lights are flickering uh, on and off, so you're sort of seeing it in bursts. You're not quite getting a clear picture of it. It just sticks these massive blades through the elevator and trying to open it up. And you're just stuck in there going, oh, my God, bugger off, Nothing please. Nothing you can do as well. There's, you don't have a weapon do. yet or anything. And you don't no. even know what weapon you would get if you even get one at this point. So, you're just, you're just yeah. stuck in there with this li- in this lift with this monster. So, luckily, you get away, yeah. Well, that's the thing. We're, we're very early early on told that uh, Isaac is a an engineer. So, we're seeing these monsters come out. We're going, what the hell is an engineer? going to be able to do to yeah. these things yeah, and sure. and the game plays on that perfectly because we yep. you sort of we talk about the far cries of you know jason brody's guys who just happen to be super skilled at all of these weaponry and everything mm. the whole time throughout dead space you were made to be remember that isaac is not a fighter <laughs> well he's a fighter but he's not a trained yeah. fighter you know he's yeah a, yeah he yep. um so because we actually once we get down this elevator, we go into a room and there's this, uh, not a weapon, it's actually called, it's actually a tool called a plasma cutter. Yep. And basically, it sets off, it sort of shoots out these little lines. So, you can you can actually change the, the I think it shoots out like four, say three or four bullets all horizontally it shoot, it, it, or it vertically. It shoots three, three energy lines horizontally first and I think you yep. can mod it to, to change to- to yeah. vertical yeah change the yeah. vertical um and on mm. the wall it says uh i think dismember them or shoot their limbs or something like that so i was gonna mention that the first just it's just before you walk in to get the plasma cutter i think it's one of the most important visual pieces of the whole game and it's written on the wall almost in i think blood it is blood yeah and it says cut off their limbs mm. uh which I think the elevator door closing on it and snapping off its arms and head was a good representation of that as well. So, you know mm-hmm. what what to, what to do. Um, it's the first of its kind though. Like if you actually think about that, what you know, what other shooting game ever thought that or, or any game thought that the way to defend enemies would be like to actually pick off their limbs rather than just shooting for the head or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's really, really in, um, in, innovative, honestly. Mm, well, it is, uh, and we I think we get our first taste of that shortly after when we get this plasma uh, plasma cutter, 
which, mm. yeah, as I said, it's actually a, an engineering tool that Isaac is familiar with. Think of it as like a futuristic rivet gun that's meant to yeah. basically, you know, fix patch holes and all that sort of thing. So yep. he's got this thing and he's just, uh, I think you encounter one, a necromorph is sprinting at you. And you, yeah, shoot it at its legs and its le- one leg will cut off, which means it has to start crawling towards you with these big sides. Yeah. Uh, and you sort of realize, <laughs> you realize pretty quickly, okay, well, if I pick off its arm, that means it has one less weapon. If I pick off its leg, it can't come at me as quick and then I have more time mm-hmm. to pick off the other parts. Uh, yeah. But- <laughs> I, I always went the legs, always the legs. Oh, yeah, always go the legs first. <laughs> you've, you've really got to- uh, yeah, you've really got to um, just get by yourself as much time as possible. Definitely, God. which we get, which, which we do get later on, uh, in the form of a, a stasis mod. Should uh, should mention too that the weapons with the right speakers or headphones pack a huge punch. Mm. They are so bassy and like brutal. It's just bang, bang. You know, yeah. it's awesome. Like, mm. I can't wait to hear the 3D audio in the remake. Like, it's going to be so good. Mm. Oh, it's just oh, a, it's, it's such a boom, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's huge. The <laughs> And so, this the older over-the-shoulder perspective that we uh, play this game in is actually... It was still actually relatively new back then uh, because we had, we'd had Gears of War and Batman Arkham Asylum uh, come out. Uh, I think Batman was in that same year, so they wouldn't have actually necessarily had time to borrow it was just happened to come out at the same time but gears yep. of war was a very even though this was that was a uh, all, out, all out action game the over the shoulder no hud uh, experience made it so much more cinematic which yep. it definitely goes to another level in dead space uh, for be- sure because everything because uh, everything is built into this into the hud or this uh, sorry the inbuilt hud is a part of the what's called the rig, which is Isaac's body armor suit, which is yep. almost looks like a bit of a bit of an Iron Man uh, style thing as you you get to upgrade it as you go throughout the game. Yeah, it is, but it's sort of yep. like a um, you know he sort of got got a, it's basically a helmet which has these four blue lit up lights which act as like the lamp as you're going throughughout these parts of the game. Which is really creepy because it lights it lights the rooms up in just these sort of four slits, yeah, yeah. four lines. Um, yeah, and yeah, so we've got the the health bar in the back, which you said is the best health bar ever, for sure. It is. It's literally up yeah. his up his spine in these different segments, which you can buy, you know, upgrade more of as you go. Uh, and it sort of yep. just depletes from blue down to red. So cool. And and that's <laughs> where his body language comes into it too, because as it depletes. You know, the, the default speed of him is a lumbering walk. Um, you know, his gaze darting around nervously and everything. Uh, but as he takes damage, he begins to stagger even more. Uh, yep. And it sort of really gets this vibe of early on that this this is really is no superhero story and Isaac is oh, as yeah. inept as we are <laughs> at the beginning of this game. That's, to that's with one of the prime reasons you want to keep all the enemies in front of you in like a corridor because mm. if you... If you're down on the last sort of peg of your health bar and you're stumbling like that, there's nothing. One of the worst things in the game, so scary, is if you you know there's something coming behind you when you're stumbling. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. You can't just, see it coming. You don't know when it's going to hit. And if he falls over, it, it takes a good like three seconds to get back up, which is yeah. a long time when you've got these psychos sprinting at you. 
<laughs> um, and so, yeah, so we've also got, yeah, all, so all the indicators and instructions are basically part of this, the rig's capabilities. Uh, yeah. So even if you're opening up the, ma- like the pause menu, it opens up as a hologram from his wrist in screen yep. that he's looking at. Um, so, and the stasis, which is a slow motion mod that you can, that you get, that's also displayed as a bit of a dial thing on your back. I'm guessing uh, that's pronounced stasis. Stasis, stasis, yeah, whatever. Mm. Whatever you want to call it, man. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, but, it, it, but it just all makes this, it's just such a an immersive and isolating experience in the best and worst ways possible. <laughs> the best yeah, and worst yeah. thing because, yeah, it's just because uh, if, you, if you look at some games, like you think of Call of Duty, for example, which is very much not meant to be immersive as such in mm. the same way but they've got you know 30 different or even the witcher which we're going to talk about next week witcher 3 yep. the wild hunt it has about 40 different indicators and maps and compasses oh, yeah. and missions all listed on the screen all over it and you you can barely look past the damn things to see what's going on <laughs> yeah, yeah so in this game to come in with absolutely nothing on your screen except for your character is just so much better like and it just builds mm. builds the, the the feel of the game so like yeah. so much more than probably Especially for the time Especially oh yeah for the mm. time to and it would have been mm. uh not done often no and i remember playing gears of war before this which i think came out late 2006 on the 360 and that uh mm. i think that had a fading hud so it would just disappear as you're walking around which made it a bit more cinematic but then once yeah you, that was pretty light Light on the HUD as well, mm. I think, anyway, but it, it was definitely there. Mm. But, yeah, the, the, what they did in Dead Space was was the perfect perfect thing to do because, the, you know, the way it's set up, you really rely on uh, Isaac and your ability to fight off the Necromorphs and make it through. But because Isaac looks like he's struggling and there's nothing on the screen, it's, he, it's almost like he's actually really relying on you yeah. as well. It You're really relying is. on each other to just get through this. <laughs> mm. So it's it, yeah, it just again adds to the the, the thrilling feel of the game because you <laughs> you want to do the best you can for him, and he wants to do the best he can for you, basically. <laughs> and I think it's a I think it's pretty bizarre actually how effective the third this third person over the shoulder perspective is because it's really cinematic. But I think giving you a character that you can look at and not have to visualize yourself that can be less immersive for some people who want to fully imagine that it's them, you know, which a silent protagonist would normally be almost in first yeah. person and you sort of go, well, who, who is this guy then? And, uh, um, you yeah. know, I can picture him however I want. But the fact that we do see him uh, early on without his helmet and he leaves it on for, you know, most of the game, you can still project yourself a bit. But like you said, you're actually looking after him and and he's looking after you a bit and is sort of thinking that should in a way be you know less uh, immersive because i can't yeah as fully project myself onto it but it actually makes it better somehow it's really interesting yeah. I, I just think the, th- the the third person to first person battle of c- cinematic uh, potential is really interesting well i think it suits us because i think it's pretty clear that we both prefer third person perspectives anyway hmm as a general rule of thumb. Especially story games. Yeah. I I, I much prefer it. 
Mm. It's hard, you know, it's hard to look back on some of our favorite games and think, oh, what if it was third person? Like, what you know, what if Bioshock was third person? It would be t- completely bizarre. Mm. But you never know; could have worked. Well, I think I think something like a Resident Evil Seven and Eight did really well to make that really, yeah. at, uh, you know, quite immersive as a first person. Uh, yep. But yeah, there's definitely arguments for and against uh, both of them. But um, which is the great thing about video games, even in yeah, I mean, we could probably do a bonus episode just talking about this, honestly. But yeah. <laughs> even in uh, in Red Dead and GTA, I tried to use, I gave the first person perspectives a go, and it just never, it just never clicked with me at all. Mm. I just had to use the third person perspectives in those games. So mm. when the well, option was there, like I still didn't change. Yeah, well, it's it's that floating camera can make the world feel sort of uh, tameable, but if you're in a first person. And you just all of a sudden feel like everything's way too big because <laughs> you're at ground yeah. level. It's it's really it's really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So, what about Kendra Daniels? So Kendra Daniels. So she's sort of, I guess, your ongoing contact throughout the game. And this is one of those games that once you once you're separated from your your team at the start, you don't actually get to interact with them face to face again. They're always through a window or something. <laughs> just shattering. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You just you just want that <laughs> reprieve. You just want to like the Starks. You just want them to just be back together for a minute. That's enough. And they can go on their way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're never quite yep. there. <laughs> I think it's safe to probably talk about um Zach Hammond and Kendra Kendra Daniels together because they come on to the Ishimura with Isaac and Zach Hammond is sort of the ch- in charge of the group, of the crew for the mission uh, in some way anyway. Almost the moderator. He's the, he's the, yeah. he's sort of the advocate for the, whoever, you know, the body that controls them to make sure that they stick to the, the mission. Almost yep. like the, the captain. Yeah. And like, even though what happens, uh, you know, the ship's overrun by necromorphs and they've sort of crash landed into it. He still just wants to. He just has desire to complete the original mission, basically. Yep. He's like, let's complete the original mission and let's get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. But Kendra, uh, because of what happens, because she wants to dive deeper into it, because there might be something else they can help with or all other people they can save. Uh, assumedly, that's her thoughts of the time. Uh, she uh, finds it really suspicious that Zach wants to just complete this mission and get out. And she tries to sort of pin it on him that he has some involvement. Mm. So while these two are your kind of guide, guiding uh, characters through this through parts of the story, uh, through a thing called the Rig Link, which is a sort of video calling device set up in the suit, um, they they're kind of at odds with with each other a lot of the time as well. So it's an interesting mm. dynamic that they have. Yeah, it, it is. I, mm. I think it's. I like that there's sort of only that two. You know, characters who you're constantly, I guess, that are on your team, because you come into contact with others, which we'll, we'll yep. probably mention. And the, uh, but just having Kendra and Zach basically as scared and terrified as you are is, uh, it sort of it keeps that it keeps you feeling isolated even when you do know you have a team. Yeah, well, with Kendra, she's she t- uh, she sort of keeps her cool through most of the story uh but zach actually becomes like quite delusional uh and afraid as the story goes on like uh, early on he he just wants to get the mission done and actually repair the communications on the ishimura 
But as time goes on, he actually turns to just repairing their ship and just getting himself and the rest of his team out of there. Like he actually mm. just almost tries to abandon half of the mission or the whole mission halfway through mm. because he just gets completely crazed from what's going on. So it's interesting uh, to see yeah, another character feeling the same way that the player does. That's not the uh, main character. Yeah, and I think, yeah, he's actually the senior security officer of this organization yeah. as well. So, yeah, you get pretty <clears throat> pretty quickly, you get the inkling that he's going to be have some sort of agenda in some way or, you know, be really cutthroat in, in one way or another. Because you know that, yeah. for example, if Isaac was in a pinch and, uh, you know, a, a, an escape shuttle door was next to Hammond and Isaac was 10 meters away, but the mission... Mm. Even if he could have saved him, but the mission was to get on that shuttle quickly, he'd just go straight for the shuttle. He wouldn't try to save Isaac. You get that vibe pretty yeah. quick. Uh, yeah, probably. 100% to task. <laughs> yeah. No ifs and or even buts. If, even if that doesn't mean he's necessarily a bad person, I think it's just that uh, he's, because he's probably as afraid as you, he'll jump mm. at the chance to save his, save himself if, if it comes to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, the Kendra, uh, she sort of yeah, continuously expresses her distrust of Hammond, but it turns out to know a bit more about the situation than anyone previously thought that she did, which mm. we'll lean into later on in the episode. Yeah. But uh, another interesting character with a great twist as well. Mm. Well, <laughs> so, so once we sort of get down as well... Um, getting we get back to this plasma cutter and isaac sort of has to start finding his way what's the what's the sort of main objective from that point on like what what sort of happens as once isaac is initially separated from this group and we obviously we start getting these communications back and forth with hammond and hammond and daniels and their slightly different agendas Uh, i guess it sort of it, it takes a bit it starts getting quite twisted yep there's plenty of twists and everything the first, yeah, so Isaac, like I said before, he's kind of just the dummy for those two traveling all over the ship, going through all the horrific corridors. Like the other guys just kind of keep coming in and saying, oh, are you here? Are you over there? Are you over here? Are you doing this? Mm. Uh, and as the game goes on, the two of them sort of try to clash with each other, trying to give you different objectives and things as well. But the first thing Isaac needs to do uh, is pair on the, the uh, station's tram system. So they have trams that run through the spa- uh, shuttle because uh, it's quite obviously it's quite big and it is tw- uh, what is it 2508 so yeah uh, in the in that year they can put trams into space willy-nilly but, that's why uh, melbourne's always been leagues ahead of the rest of the world like san francisco as well with all these trams genius yeah, yeah. melbourne will get to space first yeah, yeah. we'll be in space we are with the time. tram i mean yeah um <laughs> space tram <laughs> yeah so he asks uh they ask him to power on the tram system so Kendra and Hammond, uh, th- so they can make their way to the br- find the bridge so they can log into a computer system there, allow the captain's computer systems to find any more information. Uh, he asks Isaac to make his way back to the Callion to prepare it for launch, which Kendra thinks is suicide. Uh, he makes Isaac makes his way back to the flight deck and tries to power on the ship, but it causes the ship to self-destruct. Mm. So there's no getting off that way, is there? It blows the <laughs> hell out of the ship and part of the bloody flight deck as well. Oh. The new mission 
which is pre- this is pretty much the first big mission. Find the Ishimura's captain in the Medilab and take his rig. That way they can access the ship's computer terminals and potentially get it moving again. That's right. So as the sh- so as the first mission is to get your ship going and just get the hell out of there, it quickly turns into we're going to have to power this whole station and get out of here. Mm. And anyway, he's finding the captain and I think they hear a um they hear a recording or a rig link uh video that's current that says something about the captain being uh hurt or down in the Medilab area or something like that. So they got to go <laughs> find him and basically take his rig. Um and they, uh, yeah, Isaac, you learned stasis, like you said earlier. So stasis is basically, I don't know what you would call it. It's like shooting a like beam that a, slows them down. Yeah, you can like slow enemies. down time on sort of fast moving enemies and projectiles, uh, which gives you way more time. But you have a, you have a, uh, you know, essentially like a magic meter mm. of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it makes it way easier to shoot off limbs. But there's also puzzles like sometimes you need to stasis a, a big fan in a in a big vent to walk through it because it's spinning too fast or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's where we're going. We're going to the Medilab. But I think we're going to have... I heard there's a little ad coming up that is a really interesting product for something that would work very well while playing this game. <laughs> Hold your horses, though. <laughs> we are very excited to hear about this product because we <laughs> we don't want we want everyone to have this product whilst we play whilst they play because it'll just it'll just help the experience so much more. Save those little worries that you know creep into your mind at the middle of a big jumps straight after a jump scare, especially. Yeah, you know because we and trust us, we did not get paid to say this. No, we didn't. But <laughs> but I just wanted to I just wanted to add because you mentioned you mentioned the rig links, um, and they're basically they're like the if you think Bioshock have these audio diaries around, they're basically mm-hmm. that sort of version, uh, this the Dead Space version of that where you can go around the game, uh, the Ishimura, you pick these up and it gives you the backstory, which um, <clears throat> which there is actually a whole conspiracy uh, which sort of comes to the fore later in the story. Uh, about like a, a, the Church of Unitology as they're hunting yep. for this marker. And it's a very almost Scientology levels of corrupt <laughs> in this uh it in is. this game, which we'll um which we'll get to. But yeah, so we'll we'll head to this we'll head to this ad uh, because you know things are about to get quite scary and we think this will uh this will help you get through it. And when we come back we'll <laughs> get, we're gonna talk tell you all about the necromorphs in this game. Uh sort of introduce you to a few of them and how the rest of Isaac's journey is made so damn terrifying because of them. Yep. Awesome. Let's hear the ad. Struth! Oh, jeez. Just just get to the safe point. Just get to the safe point. Just get to the safe point. Oh, oh, oh. It's okay. It's okay. It's just a speck of dust. Wait, what's that sound? Oh, must be a space whale. I've heard so much about those. It must be just around the corner. Oh my god, what is that? Haha, <laughs> Struth, all right. Sounds like our friend here needs to sit down and strap on the all new Poo Pads Power Mop. The Poo Pads Power Mop, or PP, uh, P for short, is your perfect solution to that little bit of leakage these horror games induce on your vulnerable, unprepared sphincters. A bit like a girdle, the PPP hangs from your waist while you play. Soaking up anything that may slip out when you least expect it before it reaches that beautiful couch you're parked on. Better yet, if the horror has you pacing around as you play when this happens, simply drop to the floor and ask a loved one to drag you by the arms and legs until it's been mopped up. But what about the carpet? 
So the next time you decide to open up a bottle of Chateau Lover de Flore or smell poo or piss in your pants, think Poo Pants Power Mop and soak up that cowardice in no time. The Poo Pants Power Mop is available from all toilet stores. Not recommended to be worn in public. Righto, welcome back to this shit show. Will, you got your, ma- you got your mop on? I do. I just, uh, I just put my mop on. <laughs> I just put on my mop uh, and I'm ready, I'm ready to play or or, or slash... I'm ready to play our talk. I'm re- not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's a see. That's the hence the, uh, the the shit show pun. This is actually a very. I'm very proud of this show, Will. I would never call it that seriously. Yes, uh, and, but, and slash know, think, or is what I was trying to say. Play and <laughs> slash or talk. Yeah. <laughs> they just say and or. We just say and, and or, or around here. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, well, see, that's what we want to do. I think we. We're looking at really powerful partnerships that we can get with these sponsors because we want to we want to actually make the products relevant to what we're talking about to sort of yeah, make you think, yeah, exactly. I could really use that in my, you know, as I play. And and this doesn't obviously have to be just for Dead Space. We'll, you know, we'll uh, talk about Alien Isolation, another great space horror game in the future. We'll yep. talk about the other Dead Spaces. For sure. We'll, we've already spoken about uh, Resident Evil 3. It wasn't quite a horror, but when we go to Resident Evil 2... It'll definitely come in handy. So just get your um, yeah, the the power mops a very useful product. I found it. It's a little bit. It's I'm sitting a bit wonky at the moment. Though. It's sort of giving me a sore back. It's a bit too too many. Ta- oh. It's a great product. Sorry, no, it's perfectly comfortable. Well, I don't think the uh, ad mentioned the pro model with the lumbar support. So maybe uh, mm. go to the website and look at that. Yeah, just make sure, and you'll see some ripoff brands that try to, uh, you know make you use a full mop but to be honest i don't think where they want you to put the stick of the mop it isn't very comfortable so just don't just get the power mop to the girdle type. yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah agreed agreed what about dead space well, ruined a lot of people's lives with those things <laughs> uh, uh so dead space is um it's, it's uh it's quite horrifying it is it is <laughs> so we have to keep yeah we'll keep going and one of the, and well, not one of, what am I talking about? The main m- most horrifying thing in Dead Space is this assortment of disgustingly horrifying enemies. Mm-hmm. Safe to say. Yep. And they're called the Necromorphs, as we've touched on. Necromorphs. So, basically, yeah. So, the first experience, which we mentioned earlier, was when we first starting to, like, even try to repair this ship and they just, these blade-armed organisms just drop out of the vents and cut up the whole team in the mm. lobby while we're watching helplessly on. And it's disgusting and genuinely unsettling. <laughs> and and that's not and every single experience with these things is to be honest. Uh oh. because it's it's not it's, there's not one well, there's not one moment where you fight them where it feels uh like a normal interaction with an enemy. Mm. It's always just uh, it's, uh extreme chaos. Mm. Yeah, because basically and uh, we sort of have a touching on what the the origins of this thing might be later, uh, but it's mm. essentially a parasite that's it takes over the 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 body of a dead host. Yep. Uh, so a dead dead person. So it, and you can it pretty much grows out of them in gro- really grotesque ways. Like we're talking about these blades and everything. <laughs> I was just so, looking, I was just looking at a picture of them and I got the chills, mate. I just got the full <laughs> full of chills. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> they sound like space whales, some of them as well. So yes, yeah, uh, but but you can actually see where the person 
the, the actual human used to be. Like, yeah, there might be a face uh, lodged into the chest of this necromorph, yeah. like a human face, with their arms, the actual normal <laughs> arms hanging limp by the sides or something. But the, the blade arms have come out to replace them. But they don't just replace the arms. They literally come out in addition to these normal arms. Oh, man. <laughs> like it's, uh, and, you know, you might even have uh, an alien head that's grown out of the mouth. So you can see like the jaw either side of the neck. Uh, uh, and it's actually an evolution. Uh, we see some, we're about to list these these different types of them because there's about a dozen of them. Yeah. Uh, and we, we actually see in some instances the evolution of as the, as the parasite infects the body and turns them into a necromorph. But in the opening moments of Dead Space 2, which we really can wait to talk about, um, it actually, we actually see this up close, like right in Isaac's face. Yep. And it's really uh, messed up. That is a messed <laughs> like up scene. Oh, that is oh, so it's, bad. It's terrifying. Ugh. Yeah. It, and essentially every part of a necromorph, whether it be the limbs or the weapons, are made up of human parts, including the guts. We actually see some some that look like they have tentacles and they're actually the intestines like flailing about. <laughs> uh, oh, and uh, yeah, and just just quickly actually, Will, because I know you've got it there because we, we've t- spoken about dismember- <laughs> dismemberment being the quickest way to defeat them. Uh, we can also stomp on them, it's worth mentioning. Where yep. if, you, if you've cut their legs off you, and they get too close to you, you can just start stomping on them. Yep. And you can stomp mindlessly. He just goes, ah, 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 oh, yeah. and it just explodes. That's, that's another, it breaks into bits. It's, that's another part of like the sound that I was talking about as well, yeah. where it's just so bassy and brutal. So awesome. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so, so well, yeah. So, we've got this plasma cutter. What are the other, I think, four weapons we've got? The, like five all up? Uh, we have, so yeah, the plasma cutter. We have the SWS motorized pulse rifle. Yes. And that's probably the only real weapony style. I believe that's like a machine gun. So these are all tools, remember? Not, yeah, yeah. Not even designed as weapons. This one shoots like coils, electric coils. Okay. Um, makes the like really fast and it's sort of designed for uh, slowing them, ma- maximum stopping power, like stopping them in their tracks, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have the RCDS remote control disc ripper. <laughs> which is like, she's basically a, uh, a vertical saw. Yeah, it's uh, designed to hack and slice through solid rock, I believe it says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have the PFM 100 hydrogen torch flamethrower because, of course, a flamethrower <laughs> in this instance definitely makes sense. Well, you know, in case you need to weld from a distance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I say, yeah, I meant more in the <laughs> more makes sense in the context of the enemies you're fighting, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, and the we've got the IM eight two two handheld ore cutter line gun. It's a, it's sort of a way more large, powerful version of the uh, plasma cutter. Yeah, it shoots like a you know like a say six foot wide beam that just goes shoots out horizontally and yeah. just cleans up like under their legs or anything like that. Yeah, I use I use that a lot. Ah, uh, yeah. And the final one is the C99 Super Collider Contact Beam, which I think is essentially like a, it would be like a miniature version of like a mining 
tool off a ship. Like it's literally like a, you could beam, they'd beam it into giant stubborn rocks to explode them or something like that. So mm-hmm. using that on yeah, the yeah. necromorphs is uh, obviously going to do quite the job. I think you actually charge it. You like hold it down and let it charge and it blasts a huge single energy blast, something like that. From, it from does memory. actually. I remember from that memory. Yeah. yeah, I do remember that. Mm. So yeah, that's all the enemies, and they're all pretty epic. That's all the guns, rather. Ah, uh, the but now guns, for the enemies. Rather, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the but enemies. Now, yeah, but now for the necromorph types. And we'll start with the humble slasher, who we, we've spoken about, the old scythe arm. Yeah, I mean the slasher, the most common form of necromorph, attacks using two large blades sprouted from the victim's shoulders and hands. It has an enhanced form, which is encountered later in the game. But yeah, looking at the picture, we've both got all the pictures of these up so we can go through it mm-hmm. and actually look visually look at them. And they're, man, these are so gross. And like, this is the first one you see. And look at it. Look at how mm-hmm. bad it is. Look at its tiny, like skinny as hell arms and its massive scythe hands. Oh, dude, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. We've got the Leaper. Mm-hmm. A necromorph. That's more commonly found in zero gravity areas, uh, which is basically sections of the game where uh, I guess you're traveling between parts of the station and you're sort of somewhat outside the ship. Is that correct? Or is it literally just that the gravity's? It's like a, a, a lock, like an airlock kind of s- gravity lock area. You know what I'm trying to say? Essentially, yeah. They're essentially like a, almost like a holding bay. If you think of like a, you know, where uh, ships might come into dock or something, they'll be zero gravity, almost like the, uh, what are those things in games where, you know, you might be coming in from the sea and you stand in that, then the, the room closes off, it empties, and then you can walk into the dry, into the dry yeah, ship. Yeah, that's what thing. I was thinking. It's the airlock. An airlock, airlock. Yeah. Sorry, it is. A big airlock. Yeah, massive, massive airlock for a ship or something. Yeah. Yeah, so these guys, leapers, they like, they're found in there because they sort of stick on the walls, on the roof and on the walls and stuff. They attack with a huge mm. uh, tail. and um, Which is which has a massive blade on it as well. They're basically two arms and one long tail. Yeah. Yeah, it's got like a big, mm. its spine sort of sticking out on the back there. Um, yeah. The face in the front. And you can see the on the face, it's part of the sort of spine or something is like sticking out through the front of the mouth. Something like that. Ugh, you see that? Yeah. So yeah, gross. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who is listening uh, to this podcast should uh, go onto the Dead Space Wiki, find the enemies page, and w- look along while we say this so you can visualize it for yourself because mm. they are disgusting. Yeah, this is yeah, and this is from the uh, the Dead Space Wiki fandom page as fandom well. And that's where we yeah. got some of these descriptions from as well. So and if, you, if nobody's familiar with fandom wikis, they have one for like every single series or game or TV yeah, show ever. Very and helpful. And you get the people who have put the effort into these, like fans. It's just it's actually awesome. The it amount is. of almost like the archiving and uh, chronicling of all these backstories and everything. It's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we've got lurkers, which are and these are so bad reanimated infants <laughs> that prowl the corridors and are often found in zero gravity as well. Uh, they attack with three barbed tentacles that fire quills. Uh, and yeah, like it's it's literally like an infant child that's been reanimated mm. and you can see its baby face sticking out the side of the front of it there. Oh man, yeah. awful. And it runs around like it runs around like a little dog or something like on its fours and then it yeah. just spits its three tendrils out and shoots them. And it looks 
I just want to say as well, it's because we've spoken about the zero gravity, uh, one of the the most atmospheric parts, the, the zero gravity parts are actually the most atmospheric because they're almost in like, if you think of space where it's just dead quiet, you can't actually hear things. Yeah. Like it's in the vacuum. Of, it's essentially in the vacuum of space or there are other parts where you're in the vacuum of space. Yep. And you just, you can't hear a thing. It's dead quiet. <laughs> and these monsters are still there and you actually have to keep spinning around to make sure they're not there. Yeah, man. It's, it's, Ugh. These guys as well, I think the best course of action is usually to try and cut off the tentacles, the three tentacles. But the problem is when you cut the tentacles off, it still charges you. It's still it's still mm, walking it, around. It comes after you. It run. They run around and they're quite small at least, but they're just, they're more of a nuisance probably than a, a fear factor. These ones, yeah, are, they are a nuisance because they they might be hiding in a dark corner on the wall that you you literally can't see it if you, unless you get close enough and you're getting shot at from a distance and you don't know where from. So, yeah, mm. if you're playing the game, you got to look out for these guys. Uh, we've got swarmers, which are tiny necromorphs that appear to be reanimated flesh that travel in large groups and can jump at victims that rip away their flesh. Hmm. Yeah, they're just like, they're almost like little... Little formless little things, aren't they? Yeah, that. Well, yeah, it says reanimated flesh, just flesh. They're yeah, not it's even, like skin. Uh, They're just like bits of skin. Yeah. <laughs> this one always creeped me out, especially in the yep. first uh, one of the first boss battles. This one of these guys appears, and this is the infector, infector. Mm. Uh, that's like a bat-like necromorph. Sort of looks like a big moth. Uh, with the sole purpose of infecting corpses with a proboscis and turning them into new mechromorphs. Necromorphs. Yeah, it gets gets the old big um, the big antennae looking thing straight down the throat. Oh. It's like a face hugger. It's a it's a face hugger uh, from yeah, Alien, more or less. It is a face hugger, yeah. Mm. And they can create enhanced forms of the slashes and leapers as well. So mm. they can revive them <laughs> and bring them back even more strong. Yeah, so if, if you see them crawling around on the ground where you're trying to tackle others, you got to make them your priority because yep. they're going to start reanimating, right, bring all these dead bodies back. And ugh. So the first time you see it, uh, it's, might as well mention it now, is uh, we, we, we talked about before where we were heading in the story after you first um, played with Isaac as Isaac and uh, you go to find the captain of the ship in the Medilab. Eventually, you get there. It takes, it's quite a long way to go. You get there. Captain Matthias, I believe. Yep. And he's dead already. And he gets infected by an infector. And he becomes your first, basically, big boss in the game. Or one of the first bosses in the game. So, basically, you oh. see you see the captain, uh, the, the infector jump on the captain's uh, corpse behind a glass and he comes up and he's just like big sort of slasher, uh, scary version of one, like a sort of big, like just a big slasher. And he just mm. bangs, just bursts through the glass and comes after you. And while you're trying to defeat him, the infector is crawling around the room, infecting other corpses. So, you have to keep your eye on the yeah. infector while fighting him. So, that's uh, that's what happens at the end of that. Anyway, you end up uh, fighting, <laughs> fighting the captain and then you get his rig after defeating them. Yeah. Oh, right. Yep, yeah. Yep. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the tentacle, uh, a long and thick tentacle with a glowing yellow pus, pustle? pustule. Pustule. Uh, they, yeah, they kind of just come out of holes, windows and, and things like that and they drag, the, they drag victims to their death. 
So if you get set piece, that they're all set pieces. Yeah, if you, if you get grabbed by one, yeah. you just die because you just you'll see a scene where you get carried out through the window or something. Not too scary. Mm. Speaking oh, of scary, oh, this one is <laughs> <laughs> just called a pregnant. A large hulking necromorph that carries a payload of swarmers with the exception of one encounter. It will carry lurkers instead. It has two scythe-like blades. So this is essentially like yeah. a sort of big, scary slasher that's actually carrying yeah, a bunch of swarmers in its belly like it's pregnant. Full-on yeah. uh, vibes from uh, Resident Evil 7, the, the mother of the family. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, what's that? Uh, yeah. Um, e, um, Marguerite. Marguerite, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so she's got a big a big belly sack full of little creatures and if you shoot it, she explodes and they all come out. So, you got to get the old legs off. But anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> these are creepy to talk about. Oh, yeah. These, she's disgusting. She's really gross. Yeah. She's actually like hulking over a little bit, like hunched forward like she's a bit of a a bit of a badass. Like whereas the other ones look a bit um just demented. Look at her face in mm. that picture. She's like she's ready to ready to go or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, she's ready to flap those three chin tentacles in your face. <laughs> yeah. Uh we have a brute, which is a very large and powerful necromorph made of multiple corpses that can charge with great bursts of speed, using its weight and strength to crush its victims. This is essentially mm. like just a really big, a really big necromorph that it, it looks like a, ju- a huge gorilla or something, and they come at you pretty quickly. Just think a massive, massive gorilla, mm. but instead of its normal gorilla look, it's got like gross flesh <laughs> and bones sticking out of it. Yeah, it's if space gorillas got turned into a necromorph. Yeah, I honestly think that's a good description. We yeah. have guardians. Well, space whales got turned, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're stationary necromorphs that are plastered to walls uh, and they have six tentacles that will decapitate anyone who gets close to it and they can fire out pods as a form of self-defense and hindrance as well. Are these the guys that um, sort of scream on the wall and they're yep. literally just screaming? You can see their face. They're like in pain. Yeah, they, they sound like permanently in pain. It's like a real like, oh, like that oh. the whole time. And you, and, and you can hear it from a distance before you come up because it's the sort of hazy halls. You can't actually really see it until you get close and then you see it stuck to the wall and you're just like, oh, my God. It's just, <laughs> it makes you so uncomfortable and that's where the sound is so good. Uh, and sure. I'm going to for a uh, – we did play it in the ad, uh, but there's a – there's a, a monster in a couple where we've got a few to, to go, but I want to play the sound again. <laughs> what I refer to as a space whale. <laughs> Make sure your phone's not <laughs> up too loud if you're going to do that. <laughs> I know. I'm going to scare myself. <laughs> um, we've got pods, which are small embryo-like necromorphs that spout, sprout tentacles and fire quills at anything alive. They're usually born out of guardians, but are sometimes found alone. Mm-hmm. I actually don't really yeah, remember just- them. They're just like little turrets that shoot out, basically. Yeah. Now, the hunter. A slasher-like oh. necromorph able to regenerate lost limbs after dismemberment. One was biologically engineered by Dr. Callus Mercer. 
And uh, yeah, the hunter stalks Isaac in chapters 5 and 10. This guy's like, think Mr. X from Resident Evil. <sighs> but like, even scarier and he has big slasher hands and everything. Disgusting. Oh, he's, he's unrelenting. <laughs> unrelenting. Very basic looking. Almost just like a, a big buff version of a slasher. Uh, but he yeah, just, you look at him he just, re- he just keeps, re- he looks silly actually. He just keeps regenerating all the yeah. time and you just, you, just, you, you, you realize pretty soon, you, like I shot him, I probably spent like a good couple of minutes shooting him, trying mm. to get him down and I realized he wasn't and I went, oh God, and I think I stopped my session for that day and thought I'll tackle that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks like a misunderstood Yeti or something. Like he does know, actually. He, he just wants to be part of the part of the community, but because of his look, well, to be, no one wants to have anything to do with him. Well, to be fair, we we don't <laughs> want anyone to think that we're anti necromorph here. We know that they're misunderstood creatures who are just trying to, you know, bring back to life dead loved ones yeah. to make us happy. But we're obviously, as a society, we're not quite used to that sort of thing. So <laughs> they're just misunderstood. They're just misunderstood. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Weezers, <laughs> the only necromorph that cannot attack directly. With the host's lungs oh, no. expanded and relocated to the back, it can render the surrounding environment toxic. They are found only on the, the hydroponics deck contaminating the air, which I believe is chapter six of the game, <laughs> something like that. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it literally looks like a uh, like a, a zombified person on its hands, hands and knees with these two massive lung ba- like gas bags just like on its back just letting out all oh, these toxins yeah god <sighs> anyway <laughs> right. why are we, we talking f- about this one? we got a few we got a few more a few more we got the exploder a small thin necromorph with an appendage atta- containing a highly explosive organic compound which rivals its own size and this guy almost looks <laughs> like a uh he almost looks like a sort of a dead spirit sort of shape Think like this, if you play God of War for PS4, those sort of spirits you find around the Lake of Nine, uh, he kind of looks well, like I was going to say, he looks like Kratos with his red pattern down its face. He, uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he does look like Kratos a bit, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, and these, got, so these yeah, have massive ma- appendage as well. They ma- massive. They basically walk on its arms with one stumpy foot and you shoot the arm to explode them. Very easy, but they make this creepy noise. It's just like, a, uh, it's the Tim the Toolman. It sounds Taylor exactly noise, like the- Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> well done pulling that off on, on, on air uh, oh, I didn't actually tr- I didn't even try okay a divider a tall and thin necromorph with the ability to divide itself into multiple segments it emits haunting sounds similar to that of whales and this guy is <laughs> oh god he looks awful it's this tall lanky slender man looking thing with like a white uh, Sorry, yeah. a white lab coat, a torn white lab coat hanging over. Yeah, I was going to say, you could tell he was like a former sort of scientist because he's literally wearing a, a lab coat, a trench coat kind of looking mm. thing. It's Yeah, how old was that? And in the second game, it actually gets worse because it actually has like a head that comes off and walks around. Anyway, we'll handle <laughs> that in the future. Uh, this is the noise that it makes anyway for those who want refreshing. I'm, I'm scared. It's as bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's just a whale. Anyway. It's just a whale. It's just a whale. 
We've got twitches. A sporadic and remarkably fast necromorphs formed by marines with stasis units built into their suits. Oh, yeah. They're crazy. Mm. It's like some sort of runner from The Last of Us, whatever they're called. Mm. Yeah. Isaac encounters yeah. uh, three larger forms of necromorph with surges serve as bosses as well uh, in the yep. game. So, we've got the Leviathan, which is uh, found in Chapter 6. It's a massive necromorph found in the food storage facility. It has a gaping mouth concealing a bulbous orb surrounded by three orifices, or orifices, Orif- orifices, <laughs> orifices out of which tentacles sprout. Yeah, it basically just plugs up this massive, uh, looks like a big r- rocket uh, silo. Pretty yeah. much just pl- plugs it up. Nothing scary about it. It's too big to be scary, to be honest. No, it's very uh, it's very Resident Evil. Uh, yeah, big, it's a big and gooey monster. Bombastic, you know. We've got yeah. the slug, a large necromorph found in the, on the hull of the USG Ishimura in Chapter 8. It has five tentacles spreading from, from its body which it uses to hurl objects at the tower where Isaac uses the anti-asteroid cannons to defeat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the last one, the hive mind, a giant necromorph which rests within a crater on Aegis uh, 7 and is fought at the end of Chapter 12. So this is the, like the final boss. It has the appearance mm-hmm. of a segmented worm with multiple tentacles and several yellow sacks located in the mouth and chest. It spits out explosive projectiles and pregnates at Isaac. <laughs> it impregnates Isaac. It yeah. <laughs> pregnates at Isaac. Shoots pregnants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. It's it's very big and nasty looking. It's almost like a mega parasite. It looks like a big, a very big virus. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's like a it's sort like a sort of, of weed system. If you like pull up grass it's like sticking all over the place yeah the roots yeah yeah, that's all the enemy types in the game i hope that sold you on playing it (laughs) certainly sold me on never playing it again (laughs) (laughs) they're so disgusting oh they're disgraceful and hey if you've made it this far without even soiling your power mop we tip our hats to you (laughs) we've had to change ours at least i sold my power mop when you played that noise (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then again when you did a Tim uh, Allen impression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we got this. Um, go <laughs> <laughs> on, mate. Oh, Back on track. Such a fool. Yeah. So in the second half, we just want to touch on a couple of key elements in the story that come into it. That sort of they're sort of bubbling away in the uh, behind the surface, under the surface, uh, in the first half through things like these rig. Uh, rig uh, audio diaries what they were called um, uh, rig link di- rig link di- video rig yeah, links, yeah something like that mm. so we we hear a lot about this this church of unitology and basically unitology is a crazy futuristic religion mm. that believes mankind was designed by aliens somehow and in death will eventually converge with other life forms in some weird way, uh, presumably with the necromorph infection or something. <laughs> Who really knows? It gets very, it gets very confusing. It does. Uh, but 
it's sort of uh, the unitologists basically took over the Ishimura behind the scenes in order to find this thing called the marker uh, and which we'll explain and and they wanted to enforce their agenda without anyone knowing so it's very secretive yep uh, and it's sort of uh, I guess I don't, I don't know it's re- it's layered with a lot of in- it's very interesting I don't it's it's just something that's very hard to explain <laughs> without uh, we you sort of have to explain it in full or explain it in brief and so we will explain it in pretty brief because otherwise <laughs> it just it gets quite convoluted yeah uh, but and there's a character. Oh, actually, I'll talk about the marker first. So the marker is basically a very mysterious obelisk type structure, yep. or of ancient origin. Nobody quite knows where it came from. That sends out these signals to, that make people paranoid, homicidal, or even suicidal, uh, seeming seemingly to increase the dead body count uh, to help spread this necromorph yeah, infection. Because they know that there's a, they know that there's a connection between the necromorphs outbreak. Uh, and a uh, and a marker, basically mm-hmm. yep. the marker. So it suggests. I think it suggests it's, it's probably created by the creators of the necromorphs as well. But again, who the bloody hell knows? Yeah. Uh, Not us. Uh, yeah, uh, but it becomes clear that this is actually what happened uh, to the people aboard the Ishimura when the marker was actually brought on board. To uh, it basically started making everyone go crazy, and somehow the, the actual necromorph infection broke out mm-hmm. uh, and I, th- I think that the marker signals basically programmed unitology like this concept of unitology into people's brains and this is a both a theory of mine or perhaps a, a memory from the game that is actually true that lingered um, but I think it I think this sort of this signal from the marker made people more focused on inclined more inclined to focus on death and create bodies for the infection to take over yeah so it's sort of like a they don't actually realize that they've been brainwashed and they're actually forwarding the progression of this virus. But again, who knows? Well, what that's be, essentially what you know. uh, what the deal is with Doctor Mercer, hmm. because like in the wake of what happens, he basically goes insane and he surrenders completely to the Church of Unitology and tries to convince the whole crew of the Ishimura to uh, commit mass suicide. Mm. yeah pretty much <laughs> that's basically, basically <sighs> what he does yeah and well and yeah and it causes people to hallucinate and see dead loved ones as well mm. uh, and and one thing that keeps recurring throughout the game that we probably forgot to mention is that Isaac's haunted a lot by uh, this memory of Nicole his girlfriend playing over and over yep especially that recording yep uh, and it's as we're looking for her throughout this whole game and this sort of thing starts coming and um, the uh, Dr. Mercer comes into it we see, and we see him seeing a loved one, we start thinking, wait a minute, what's Isaac actually seeing with Nicole? Like what, what's actually going on? Mm. And adds an extra twist to Isaac's character who, again, doesn't say anything. So we've got to presume what he's feeling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with Dr. Dr. Mercer, yeah, seeing, having seen him see a loved one, is uh, not ideal. But there's so much detail about all this stuff. <laughs> it's all like speculative as much as anything. So if anyone wants to actually, for some reason, read further into this backstory, it is really interesting. Uh, but uh, it's a bit heavy for us bozos to really explain in detail. <laughs> we'd be, <laughs> we'd be here for background. a while. Yeah, exactly. And But 
I guess you have some yeah some points there as well on uh, this uh, Doctor Mercer as well as yeah well, I, I believe there's a there's another key character in there and what's he, what was his name again uh, Terence Terence Kine the well, Terence well Terence Kine is uh, the chief science officer yeah but I think Mercer has a lot to do with the captain as well we see we see video logs play out through the game where Mercer and uh, the, and the Captain Matthews have interactions, sort of arguments, and we end up finding out that uh, Mercer killed Matthews, not even on purpose, but just because he wanted him to see what he was seeing, which was that they have to preserve the marker for the for the church because he was so delusional with it all. Mm. Um, but to Mercer, everything everything that has happened is God's will, basically, and he believes that the necromorphs are the natural successors to humanity and that their emergence from corpses represents life after death, which is wild. Uh, yeah. he, in, yeah. he insists repeatedly that Isaac should die and allow God's children to take over. Being necromorphs, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And with as far as Kine goes, he, uh, he actually appears later in the game and asks uh, asks help from the surviving members of the team, like um, Isaac, uh, Kendra. He uh, attempted to relieve. Ah, uh, oh, sorry, I've got it all wrong. Actually, my, my bad. So Mercer, Mercer was a, the eccentric doctor, but Kine attempted to relieve Matthias of his duty during the crisis on the ship, but it, but instead seems to have been complicit in the captain's death either in whole or part. So so I think Mercer had gotten to the captain in some way with the church mm. and then the captain was sort of spurting some of that but Kyan wasn't really having it and he was trying to keep him on task and he sort of ended up uh, being part in his death in some way. But he, Kyan regularly interacts with his dead wife, an apparition caused by the marker uh, that can't be seen by the player. So we see him sort of just talking, talking to no one. Uh, like talking to the air, basically. <laughs> mm, yeah. uh, later, later on in the game, yeah. But the the marker is, you know, the marker is one of the biggest parts of of Dead Space. All of the Dead Space games, I think, getting to the marker and and actually taking the marker for different 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 sides that people are on is sort of one of the main objectives. In which Isaac never thought he would be a part of at all like he he just ended up getting thrown into this crazy conspiracy theory with this church and mm. and the government and all this stuff and and yeah the marker the marker's a bit a bit crazy isn't it yeah it's really dark as well uh, it's I, I find it really interesting because like, i find a uh, they've they've made their own law pretty like really rich in this game that's uh and the marker's basically the cause of everything in one way or another yep. It's almost like a rinse and repeat sort of uh, a cycle, like a paradox with these things. Like it goes to a new planet. Uh, it sort of brainwashes the people to, you know, die basically. Then the, yep. the parasite can take over and then someone's meant to come and find the marker and think, oh, I'm going to take this marker to this other place so we can look at it. And that's where it infects more people. And it's sort of like this cycle that's meant to keep going over and over. It's really interesting. Uh, and yep. it's and that's another thing where you're playing like a survival horror game and you think, oh, there really doesn't need to be any real deep story in this. It's all about the scares, right? And it absolutely isn't. It, uh, it, no. adds, to the, it adds to the creepy factor, but it's, it's a properly fleshed out story. 
For sure, it is. Uh, mm. I think, do you want to talk about sort of the lead up towards the ending of the game? Or do you have any more points on yeah. the church and the marker? No, I'm ready. I'm ready to be done with this evil, scary, <laughs> horrific thing. It's uh, probably should mention that uh, Zach Hammond, who is part of the original team, is killed uh, by an enhanced brute necromorph uh, in a, around chapter eight or something, I believe. Uh, just so you know. But anyway, later into the game, near the ending. Kendra Daniels ends up killing Terence Kine and reveals herself as a government agent who was actually undercover. So, to summarize the whole game, like through from the start until near the end, because we're not going to go into the whole thing right now on the podcast, but you do lots of, you meet lots of uh, eccentric characters throughout the station and they ask you to go and, uh, you know, turn on some sort of power thing or would change something in the ship, all to do with puzzles, to turn different systems back on to work to different people's favours. But basically, like, you're always trying to get off the ship. But as the mm-hmm. game goes on, it develops into the story where you actually have to... You learn so much about the marker and its power and, and what it's doing if it gets in the wrong hands that it kind of shifts from an escape uh, an escape plan to being a saving the world mm. plan, almost. Yeah, poor old <laughs> Isaac with his engineering tools. Expected yeah. to save the universe. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so we're not going to just talk talk through the whole game because there's so much. But anyway, you end up uh, you end up getting towards the end, and yeah, uh, Kine is murdered by Daniels, who reveals the truth behind everything. Uh, she's ordered, she's uh, been ordered to retrieve the marker for her superiors. Uh, it's a reverse engineered copy of a black marker found on Earth. And has been placed on Aegis 7 hundreds of years ago by the government so scientists could study its effects. Those scientists discovered that the pattern covering the surface of the marker was the DNA code for the necromorph infection. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, the infection escaped, killing and transforming the doctors uh, as the original colony fell apart. Uh, But the doctors successfully edited the marker into an inhibitor and activated it. With the doctors dead and the infection locked away, the government marked Aegis 7 as off-limits and abandoned the planet. The planet cracking operation was in fact a joint mission by the CEC and the government to retrieve the marker leading up to the present events. And Daniels then left on the shuttle without Clark. Uh, sorry, Daniels then leaves on the shuttle without Clark, but Nicole, uh, Isaac Clark's girlfriend or love interest, uh, arrives and is help him, uh, able to help him recall it prompting Daniels to flee via an escape pod, basically. Mm. So, Daniels ends <laughs> up getting away for now and uh, Clark is, uh, I keep saying calling him Clark, Isaac is uh, reunited with Nicole, which is nice. It nice is nice. <laughs> mm. they, take the, they take down the shuttle uh, with the marker to the colony, placing it back onto the planet Aegis 7. Because Daniels has actually retrieved the marker and, and she's going to take it to Earth. So, they bring the shuttle back <laughs> and they take it back down to Aegis 7, uh, putting it back, uh, disrupting the gravity tethers holding a large portion of the planet several miles off the surface, threatening to destroy the colony. Uh, but as Isaac attempts to dis- escape, Daniels appears, taking the marker back to the shuttle, once again removing the dead 
space field pacifying the hive mind. Oh, don't worry. Everyone saw your quotation marks there with your yeah. fingers. Yeah. I'm sure they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, through transmission, uh, Daniels actually shows that Isaac, shows Isaac that Nicole actually committed suicide well before they arrived at the Ishimura. Mm. Uh, and the marker has been using the visions of Nicole in order to get Isaac to return the marker back to its planet. I think that's the biggest revelation in the whole game. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it just gets so like... Especially when you're battling the hive mind, it just feels it's just a big epic alien battle. You know, like it's 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 in a very action game mm. battle. It's not it's not nothing scary about it. Uh, no, and, no. And then all of a sudden, you just hit with all of these like really heavy truths, and you're like, bloody hell! I know. Like just getting reunited with Nicole was like would have been a huge moment for Isaac, right? And obviously, it's a huge moment for us as the player. And so shortly after, you find out that Nicole is actually just visions created by the marker. Like the marker is so powerful that it's leading mm. Isaac on to bring it back, uh, to bring uh, to bring it back down to the planet. Mm. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, Daniels tries to flee uh, like Kendra, but gets killed by the gigantic hive mind. Uh, which Isaac manages to defeat in the battle we just spoke of. Mm. Leaving the marker behind, Isaac takes off with the shuttle just before a rock crashes into the planet, ravaging the surface of Aegis 7. Mm. So, we assumed, uh, it's assumed that the marker has been potentially destroyed by this. Yeah. Yeah. He sets course away from Aegis 7 uh, and Nicole's suicide video plays... Isaac stops it and simply stares into space. I think he is actually, for a moment, you sort of feel like it's over for him and he's going to move on because he's flying away and he's just uh, he's just done with it. Mm. You can see it in his eyes. He like he looks so tired, but he's just he just can't take any more twists anymore. So he's just like, that's it. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, well, that's all we get. Yeah, we see he's. We finally see, yeah, finally see his face again, and we're like, and he's he's slightly grayed and uh, like because he yeah. looks about mid mid thirties, but he's got the gray the gray uh, sides of his head and everything yep. like that hair, and he just looks exhausted. Uh, and uh, it, we just get the real feeling of what the, the true toll of this exhausting sleepless journey has been on. <laughs> oh yeah, because you got to remember it was a straight slog in these games. We always forget the characters never sleep, you know. Mm. <laughs> uh, they oh yeah yeah exactly that they, they don't sleep, but yeah. as we think that Isaac's journey is done and it's all it's all going to be okay, silence, silence comes over the ship and uh, he turns he sort of turns his head and uh, vision of Nicole. Go on. Well, what he's doing is he's actually he's playing Nicole's message from the start of the game one last time. Before mm. he turns it off midway, and that's where this yeah this silence kicks up, uh, and he's like, because he can't watch, he can't bear to watch it again, because he's you know like he can't bear this failure that he's that he's had, like he's failed to save her, yeah, and yeah, and then he turns to his right, and someone or something is just sitting there, like in the darkness of the, the corner of this cockpit, yeah, and then well it's a like a 
it's it's assumed to be like a sort of bloodied version of Nicole. Mm. Yeah. And then in a split second, it it lunges uh, straight at Isaac right at the screen yeah. in this massive scream, and it's uh, indeed Nicole, or or is it Will? Or is it? Should be mm. safe. To, it's probably good to mention too that uh, once she does jump at the screen, a bunch of marker symbols show on the screen um, as well, mm. sort of alluding the fact that the mark is not done with Isaac. Um, yeah. And that's how the game ends. Like the game jumps to the credits from there. So that's uh, mm. that's Dead Space. It's probably a good thing that we left out a bunch of the story beats in the middle of the game because if anyone listens to this uh, that wants to go play for themselves now, recommend highly mm. to do that because uh, mm. there's plenty of twists and turns and awesome character moments and things during the middle of the game So that you want to experience oh, yeah. for yourself. Yeah, God, yeah. It's just, it's just so interesting how great writing can be something like a, a scare. Mm. Like it's not even, you know, even if they're just right, say the level designers were writing about how a certain section of the game is going to be. Like so I remember there was a, I can't remember the exact area, but there's like three levels you have to go to and down the bottom, like I think is a bit whiter, a bit better lit and then another area is completely dark, for example. I can't exactly mm-hmm. remember. But you just think when they're writing them, how they they you know have to script in what you're going to see as you progress through this linear journey, which you can go back and forth in a bit. Uh, but just plotting how each thing's going to, you know, the tension's going to build from each corridor to the next to the next room, how it's all going to explode in your face, and then how they're going to maintain that tension again. Mm. Like it's really smart writing. So I think it's yeah. gr- it'd be great for anyone. Just to, I mean. Obviously, if you if you hate horror, you're probably not going to play it. But if you can tolerate it, horror, give it a go because it's 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 a it's a masterpiece in horror. For sure, it definitely is. Yeah. Mm. Why uh, why do you think though that you know why are horror games not a genre that tends to stick around? Like why why is something that Dead Space like Dead Space something that got removed from the gaming world and now is only coming back with a remake. Like, what? Mm-hmm. what? why is that? Well, I think Dead Space itself, it sort of ended up with the, the games one and two. I think two was better than this game. Uh, but then number three went to that more action sort of route. I think that's sort of where it lost its fans. But, mm. I, think, but I think generally speaking, it's probably that association that uh, like lightning rarely strikes twice with a good horror series. In the yeah. same sense, so even Resident Evil, it becomes it like two genuine horror games, which are probably number two and seven, and the rest yep. are just sort of weird. Like they're all different; they're all like different levels of action, and you can't quite get yeah. consistency out of them. And you just sort of think, "Oh, it's probably just a cheap thing." And and I think horror does always come across as cheap. Uh, we we've seen the It movies, you know, with Pennywise and everything. Yeah, and they're the probably the first. Oh, you know, one of only a handful of horror movies I've seen that aren't cheap because the story's story's actually good. So, Mm. I think they just sort of, they're not really really made to age well almost, but something like Dead Space is. So, it's it's a shame that it did sort of fade off into that action sort of genre because it just just didn't need it. I think the um, success of Resident Evil 7 and now Village proves that the horror genre can live and be successful. Hmm. Because I think Resident Evil 7 
was the most successful Resident Evil game um, okay. when it came out. Okay. And, uh, you know, coming off four, uh, five, you know, Resident Evil 5 and 6 that are very action-y, people were sort of asking for this and it, they gave it to them and it did so well. Um, and I'm hoping that Dead Space having a remake on the next-gen systems comes out and I really hope people actually give it a chance in big numbers uh, hmm. because it might uh, push the studios to follow on with another dead space story and really dive into its horror roots again uh but mm. i yeah but i agree with everything you just said about that that question for sure mm. and and i think i think a uh remake is actually more than acceptable because of this like you know coming out next year whenever it comes out mm. because it's actually i don't know story it's always obviously good to progress a story but scares and tension stay there the whole time yeah so i suppose it's sort of if you give a 10-year break in between something to remake it you'll still get a really good almost uh original effect on your on your emotions again because yeah. you can't quite remember all of those the exact places of all their scares and we yeah. know that now that's going to look better in the in the current uh capabilities of the new consoles with graphically and everything mm-hmm. and especially audio it's going to make it uh, 10 times scarier than it was 10 years ago, uh, 13 years <laughs> yeah. ago. So It is. Uh, it's going to be terrifying. Yeah, it really will be. Um, we'll be playing so, that together. <laughs> yeah. On the yeah. couch. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be playing. I'll, I'll be the controller this time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy for that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so, was that your burning question? Because it was quite hot. Yeah, it was. Well, you should have told me. I, I just didn't brought- announce it. I just wanted to just bring it up naturally and say, you know, why, why this, why that. That's fair. That's fair enough. I'll, I'll yeah. pretend I didn't acknowledge it. So, <laughs> well, it, well, for you then, in your opinion, why is atmosphere more intense than constant jump scares? Anyway, like, why is it? Why is it so much more affecting and brutal? Because even if we had an hour where there was a jump scare, you know, because talk about playing this game in an hour session, if you had a jump scare every minute that was purely terrifying. Why is that less uh, less effective than a game that's just intense? Or you know, the atmosphere is really crazy for an hour, but there's only one jump scare. I'm sure it's something to do with uh, the actual human brain uh, and body. And I like, obviously, I can't get scientific because I'm not a scientist. <laughs> but the way, like, just think about the way you feel. Say you're uh, you go to a uh, some sort of scary walkthrough uh, at some event and you're walking through and you don't know what's coming. The anticipation is just so builds up like the heart rate starts going. Uh, or even something like getting in a lift. It's like getting mm. in a lift and standing there and then the lift sort of, sort of feels like it's not chugging along well and you sort of you sort of start to anticipate, oh, what if it, something went wrong? And then think about, you know, if someone just walks around the corner and just goes, bah, and scares you. Mm. It's just the anticipation for these things is just so scary. Uh, Like, uh, it's hard to talk about it technically, but there's just something about a building up of of a sequence that can really get you. Because, like, Mm. something like uh, the It movies, like you just mentioned, the scariest parts of those scary scenes was the anticipation and I'll always hmm. come back to that scene in the in chapter one where they're watching the projector film and by the time Pennywise jumps out of the projector 
I was <laughs> I was already uh, well sunk into the couch covering my eyes because the the projector started flickering with the pictures, and you just started to sense something was wrong. Mm. Oh man, it's just that feeling. It's just that feeling. Mm. Well, so I, I guess. Well, I guess if in other terms, if you're say if you're going through a really stressful part of your life, it's anxiety or stress or something, and you're uh, you know, weeks, say if it's weeks on end of feeling feeling like that, then the slightest thing might tip you over the edge. Whereas yeah. if you know, and make you say if it's a breakdown or something. Whereas if you're a very relaxed person or you know, you've had like three months of yeah, you know, yeah, you're on holiday and something comes in mm-hmm. says boo at you. You'll probably just go, hey, what, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's yeah. that they really work on the, the this natural duress or distress that the body uh, builds up from this tension. And then yeah. they just know that right when you're the, at your weakest, they're going to just go bang. <laughs> and it, yeah, it does. It really break, it breaks you down and it makes you, makes you feel like a total goose. Because like I said, I could only handle it in one hour sessions at a time. And I thought, <laughs> you know, I would, li- I would love to have played it three hours in a, in a go but mm. one hour was pushing it the problem is too is like when you sit down to play a game like this you like you bought the game and you know that it's that kind of game mm. with horror themes so you're already expecting something scary to jump out at you mm. so the anticipation's already in your mind before you even install it <laughs> for sure so if they just work on the atmosphere building that atmosphere and this game does it better than yeah, almost any game you're going to be just locked in, scared, uh, shitless for the whole ride. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And weren't we just? Yep. We certainly were. But like I said, like I'm sure it's actually something to do with the human brain that just triggers that that's why it's scarier than just, hmm. a, jump, than just a jump scare. But I, I can't speak scientifically on the facts. So I don't know what to say. That's yeah. fair. Well, you, you've said enough on it, so it's fine. Yeah, I spoke. I think you knew exactly what to say. Probably longer than I needed to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we get you. So, well, anyway, I think that's a enough tension for these uh, for our dear audience in their days. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So, because the atmosphere that we create in their listening space is is really scary. I think it is. It's pretty, it would be horrific to listen to. Who knows what could happen at any moment on this podcast? You always got to be ready. Yeah, exactly. He might have, yeah, yeah. Tim, Tim, the tool man, Taylor, just randomly jumping in. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, thanks heaps for joining us today, guys. It's it's been a a scary blast to sort of go back and revisit this uh, this real freak show. But uh, yep, it's fun as always. Brings a it's a more it's a catharsis as usual. I feel relaxed talking about tension now. Yeah. It always feels good to talk about a game, uh, revisit a game like this that we, that you and I haven't really spoken about for a pretty long time. I'd say mm. um, yeah. that we both know that we enjoy. So yeah, it's good to talk. It's good to talk about it for sure. What are we? Yeah. Uh, what are we talking about next week? Next week is one of the biggest and highest, biggest best selling, and I'm talking biggest in area in the game, biggest open worlds, most successful. Most biggest law, biggest <laughs> biggest pectoral mus- muscles on this bloke, and we're talking about The Witcher Three: Wild Hunt. <laughs> biggest pectoral muscles. <laughs> He's got massive pecs. He's a big ripped unit. He's he old does Geralt. on the TV version. 
Oh, yeah. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Bloody mm. hell. Remember when we first saw him have his shirt off in uh, Man of Steel? Well, when we first had seen it, we, we came together to talk about that. We had to debrief. <laughs> we got a little bit hot <laughs> under the collar. <laughs> yeah. You're probably not wrong. You're probably, oh, I know you're probably right. Yeah. Knowing us, we'd we totally would have would have been like, oh, what did you think of it? Oh my god, you saw his pecs? Yeah, I saw his pecs. No, that'll right. be good next week. I hope everyone enjoyed the uh, indie rumble dive last week as well with uh, Simul D one and two because we're yep. yeah we're really excited to talk up the indies more as well. Um, and yeah, anyone, please, if you haven't already. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, uh, at Real Rumble Pack for the, for the ball, uh, is it? Yeah, more or less. More or less for the ball, so. <laughs> Rumble, at Rumble Pack Podcast for Facebook, Real Rumble okay, Pack yep. for Twitter and Insta. Yep. Yep. No, have a look at those. We're going to uh, try to be more consistent on the Instagram posting some random stuff, whatever it is. Maybe I'll just post a picture of uh, a game case every day. <laughs> you should. <laughs> I will. Yeah, good. Hello, All right, I'm that's enough from me. See you later. <laughs> well, it's not enough from me. No, it is enough from me. All right, thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. Bye.